Hey everybody, welcome back to Podcakes. Today's guest is Matt with Ladle Sport ADV. We learned all things Matt growing up in Canada, being a DJ, and racing Miatas. If you like what we're doing here on Podcakes and you're watching or listening to this down here on the YouTubes, go down, like, subscribe, share, and maybe just leave us a comment, even if it's only one word. If you're listening to this on Spotify right now, go down, subscribe to the channel, and leave us a comment too means the absolute world to me and if you really like what we're doing here with the channel rather it's podcakes or the motorcycles and pancakes please consider becoming a patreon member it means the absolute world to me and all the money earned from that goes directly into this channel making it better for you the listener and the viewer so without further ado here's matt with ladle sport adv Matt, we are finally able to uh, get this little bad boy together and get our schedules to, to link exciting. up to get this thing done. Yeah, I'm totally stoked I, for this. I think it's been a few months that we've actually chatted. I think maybe you and I first met at uh, Get Lost, Find Yourself. That's over right. Vancouver Island. Finally. And yeah. I know, right? I think we followed each other for quite a while. And then... Yeah. Uh, any sort yeah, of association definitely. with Chris and it's like, boom, there it is. Right. Yeah. It, it, it was pretty good. So yeah, like I said, uh, let's see, it is January and we met in, you know, September. So it's been a few months that we've actually yeah. known each other face to face. And I believe it was pretty shortly after that you reached out about like, Hey, I know, uh, I know, I think you awarded it like a boring guest or something yes. like that. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, dude, you, you've got a little uh, business thing going on. A lot of people know what that is, the ladle sport, yes. and we'll get into that here in, right. in, in a little while. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, I took some time off around the holidays, you know, for obvious reasons. Yeah. And, um, yeah, man, I'm just pretty stoked to actually have our schedules meet and it's, it's get you on nice. here, man. Yeah. So I know for me and for you – We've had some <laughs> interesting weather lately. It's like it's, a little polar vortex or something. I don't know. Absolutely crazy. Um, it was, I think, at its coldest, minus 47. And it doesn't matter if it's Celsius or Fahrenheit. It's minus 47. It's cold. Um, right. And it's... Uh, isn't that... It's a little... Isn't it right old. around there? Isn't it right around there where Fahrenheit and Celsius kind of match? Yeah, 40 is where they match. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I knew it was really close to that. So, dude, it's cold. And it's we cold. we are on the backside of one heck of an ice storm over here in my yeah. part of the world. I was, I was actually keeping an eye on the weather because of what you said the, yesterday, I think, about, you know, we're, we're heading into this. You know, we may yeah. be without power. So, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it hit pretty hard, but I don't think it hit it probably as bad as you know the weather the weather people were expecting because you know they don't they don't actually know so but yeah, yeah. Well, i woke up this morning and i was kind of oh boy look at all this you yeah. know and <laughs> i went outside and I, I took a picture and i put it on my instagram story this morning and i was kneeled down or not kneeled down but like squatted down 
and I was in true Oregonian fashion. I was in flip flops, basketball shorts, and a flannel. <laughs> you know, I was going to do go that, down there. But... Right, of course. Yeah. And so I, I have my phone actually on on the ice and taking a picture of kind of down the street, kind of get. A yeah, I think you said that. I think I I saw it on Instagram where you said it to me, and it was just it was kind of magical. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I I just sit there and I kind of mess with the phone for a second. I just feet came out from under me and I was like almost sitting to the full sit position. <laughs> like, oh, I think it's time just to go inside. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, living up here with the snow that we've got, I'm sure there's other people. You know, where there's snow all winter in in the U.S. and and well, definitely elsewhere in Canada. You know, you don't have two sets of wheels and tires for your bike. You have it for your car. Um, one yeah. for the summer, one for the winter. Uh, <laughs> that's just how we roll it's the best way yeah yeah so you you just said you're up in canada and yeah. down in kind of the portland oregon ish area so what part you're over alberta yeah like just that. uh just west of edmonton yeah okay i'd say go oilers yeah. but i don't follow sports so yeah I was gonna say something about the oilers but hey we just figured that out so no you don't watch shores or anything <laughs> Oh, well, letter Kenny, that's a different story. Um well, absolutely, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I I know so a guy. I, I know a guy from that area of Ontario where the show is situated and uh he said yes, there are people like that. Um but he is not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge. I'm not one of them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he so I think uh, up, so. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people um, are kind of curious maybe who you are, you know. So, like I said, you, you have Ladle Sport, ADV, um, yeah. which is a lot of motorcycle products. And like I said, I want to get into that. I want to know kind of the backstory to that, where the name came from, you know, the chicken and all that stuff. Yeah. But I wouldn't mind just kind of creating her in reverse for a minute and just uh, let's go back to uh, Little Matt. You know, oh, tell boy. us a little bit about yourself. You know, where'd you grow up? You know, any sports or what? I grew up, I was born in Toronto, Ontario, um, out east. Um, and as a young kid, I think I was five, we moved out here uh, during the oil boom in, in the early, late 70s, early 80s. Um, let's see. No sports. I didn't play sports. Yeah, I just sort of did my thing at school and hung out did nothing, played with friends, not into comics, not into computer games, you know, and that follows through to today. Um, let's see. I raced cars for a while. And it turns out That's that, uh, that Nathan from, uh, from, for the love of knobs, um, he and I both shared the same hobby for some time. And, uh, we raced two completely different cars, but, uh, yeah, I just found that out in September. Is that he was uh, he was also autocrossing, and uh, which is a sanctioned sport. It's it's a lot of fun. Bring your car and just go ahead and race, um, and then drive it home. It's fantastic. Dude, we we just went over a whole bunch of stuff there. So I <laughs> I want to know more about that. But what what how old were you about when you moved from Toronto over to over to I Edmonton? Was five. So five? that was. Yeah, that was a that was a long yeah. time. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, you know, and, and I I think I, I followed suit with you. Uh, I mean, when the OG Nintendo came out, you know, 
I mean, I, I had that. We were playing, you know, Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt and all that stuff. But that was pretty much, you know, my video game career, if you will. I, I never really got, like, super hard up on video yeah. games. You know, it didn't become my life. I was too, I was too obsessed with sports, you know, things on the outside. I just wanted to be outside. My dad, Mr. Mountain Climber, we would hike. Oh, yeah and stuff and we were climbing mountains and it was like it seemed like in the summer like quite literally every single weekend we were camping or hiking or both you know so outdoors was very very important to me so when you say like i wasn't really into video games or computers and all that man i i totally get it because i think yeah. you and i are pretty close in age so we're in the same part of uh of a generation and we were just more Okay, you wake up, you eat your cocoa puffs, you run outside, and That's you're it. outside till the till the streetlights come on, and then it's like yeah, or you hear your mom screaming that it's time for dinner, you know? Yeah, and yeah. my mom put one of those old school like uh, cowboys little triangle. Oh yeah, yeah, out of here, ding 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 ding, and it was just like oh, I think I have to go home now. My brother and I would know that it was time to go home when we heard the friends we were playing with getting called to go home. So it was like, oh, oh we might as well. Yeah. Yeah. Time to go home. So going over there, you know, you, you said you really weren't into sports. So, you know, like what were your hobbies and such like through the high school years? Oh, high school. Um, high school, I actually got Friends into. Girls. Yeah. Besides that, um, I was big into DJing and electronic music. So I shared that with Chris Critter um, as a DJ. Um Spent a few years doing that. DJed in a few clubs here in Edmonton, and uh, for a few years, just had some fun with it. You know, it was it was all right. Um, but did that straight out of high school, um, while I was working. You know, just I don't know Joe jobs. Um, spent yeah. five years in uh, restaurant hospitality, and so segue to the ladle and ladle sport. There's a reason it's there. Um, that's one of them is the time that I spent, you know, working in restaurants. Uh, let's see, after that. Well, see, before I told after you, that, let, I would have got to go back to the DJ and stuff real quick. Okay. I, I, I think the music and stuff is just fascinating. I have a, a bit of a background with music and things. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I really find, you know, I, I think a lot of people hear, oh, I was a DJ. And so I think there's this like big part of society that is just like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. And maybe kind of, you know, disvalue what you were doing. But I think there's a lot of talent, a lot of just cool stuff that comes along with DJing, you know. Yeah. And so you you were getting that as your hobby, you know. So at some point in high school, you're like, okay, you you, you kind of put the crosshairs on something. You're like, okay, this has my interest. I kind of want to go forward with that buying equipment yeah. or whatever. Absolutely. So was it like, yeah, good. It was it like, uh, kind of scratchy the records or was it more of like, Hey, I'm no. going to kind of get things going and kind of remix these songs and definitely wasn't a like scratch. This. Yeah. Definitely wasn't a scratch DJ. Um, yeah. I more would... of the, uh, old school Steve Aoki stuff. Oh, well, it goes back even farther than that. Um, yeah. lots of house, lots of jazz funk. Um, Oh, nice. Like UK R and B, 
um, UK garage, uh, stuff like that. And all those types of music. I mean, you search for it on, on, on Spotify or whatever, and it's, it's all still there. It's all still made. There's current stuff. It's absolutely cool. And my musical likes are so narrow, um, that it sort of follows that same path. Um, you know, I sort of grew up with the, you know, the Guns and Roses and and the Metallicas and all that, and then it was just like, okay, I'm done with that. And this is what I like the the I'm a bass junkie at heart, so the more, the more bass I can hear, the better. Um, whether it's mind numbing it. or 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 anything like that, I need to feel it in my chest, and then I'm having a good time. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. It, it was a good time. It's. Uh, Let's see, that ended, that would have been 1997 or 98 when I sort of put that aside and just, you know, I need to concentrate on other stuff. And I got, uh, in 1999, I got married for the first time and it didn't work out. Um, We amicably split and no kids, no nothing like that. So it was just like, sell the house and we're done and uh, and split the proceeds. But uh, I never got back into it. But by that time, I was working already for the company that I still work for now. So this year, this March marks my 25th anniversary, uh, my work anniversary oh, wow. with with uh, the company that I work for now. Um, it's been an amazing ride. Um, I'm hoping for 10 more years and then I'm out. So that, That's pretty good, man. 25 years at anything is is pretty legit for sure. Yeah. So I, I know I keep dwelling slacker or something, you know? Well, yeah, I know I keep dwelling on this DJ stuff, but you said he played a couple of shows. I don't want to glass over this because I'm oh. finding this absolutely interesting. Yeah. So we had, I had a standing gig with two other buddies of mine. Um, and we used to, we used to play at this, uh, this pub in, in, you know, in one of the main streets in Edmonton um, every Sunday. And there was a live band playing and we'd play between sets and it was it was magic. It was just you know we we sort of down tempo stuff. It was a jazz funk band that was playing, and uh, okay. and we were, I was also spinning at another another club in downtown Edmonton, and uh, that was that was a lot of fun. That was Thursday nights. So I think six months. Twice a week. I, yeah, twice a week. It was yeah. Didn't get paid That's very much, it. but it worked. Um, it. Uh, you know, kept a pack of cigarettes in my pocket and, uh, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, man. I, yeah, the, the club scene and, and starting out, man, that stuff, it pays peanuts really. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. pays peanuts or they want to pay you in other, other ways. Like, Hey man, your band's down here. You want to get paid a couple bucks at the door? Or do you want us to throw some Coke your way? Oh <laughs> like, yeah. Um, that doesn't work for any of us. So, you know, maybe I never had a drinking that. problem. It was other problems that I had. Right. Um, right. Luckily, was, not, was... luckily not severe, but uh, yeah, I working in restaurants, I definitely learned how to consume the, the, uh, the adult beverages and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, you know, I've been trying to cut back until I get on a podcast. So, uh, you know, I got the old IPA here. I uh, I would but, be right there with you. Um, decided to do a dry January, and by accident, yeah, boy, and by accident. Well, it was just like, okay, let's do it. My wife and I. It's like, sure, yeah, why sure. not? And yeah, uh, hey. last weekend, we it's like, I think we're gonna have a drink. 
And I crack open one of my favorite IPAs that I had in the fridge. And it was just like, I'm not even enjoying this. So I just, I don't know what to do with it. We'll see how the, the rest of the month goes. Um, sure. You know, and maybe I'll have one again and maybe I won't. Right. Well, I get that, you know. Um, autocross. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. Dude, I think it's funny that Nathan Fant, uh, I think everybody that listens to this, um, because this is, you know, we, we, we just rebranded here about a week ago. I decided yep. to make a big rebrand on the podcast. So this is an, actually an episode of Inside the Helmet because you're you're very motorcycle related. You well, know? I am and now. So I think you are now. And we are going to get to that for sure. <laughs> but I think everybody that listens to this, I mean, Nathan Fant and Chris Fant, I mean, that's just kind of. Those are two certain names. Amazing people. Absolutely. And I, I just yeah. think there's names, you know, like Ben Dork in the Road, Critter, those two. You know, I think there's there's a certain amount of people where you just say them and everybody knows who they are and what they're about. So I'm actually really interested because in my hooligan days, back in high school and just out of high school, you know, we used to uh pretend we were autocross or in a tough truck and i had a little 1983 silver ford ranger and we used to just do some ridiculous things on i'm that shaking thing. my head yeah especially with the the boys in the back you know the little sliding window open you know we'd have slayer metallica just blaring and just trying to jump railroad tracks and Oh my gosh, that, I don't understand how that thing actually drove. But anyways, I'm very interested. How in the world did you get into autocross? Because that's I've seen it on TV and stuff, and it well, looks very rad and very it, appealing. It, it is a lot of fun. Um, so my wife and I don't have any kids. We just chose not to. But you know, parents with kids entering driving age very soon. Autocross is probably one of those things where your kids are going to learn the most about driving in an amazing community, okay. similar to motorcycles, um, where, you know, you ride with a bunch of people, you get to know a bunch of people and you learn stuff from one another. It's probably the best, the safest environment to learn how to drive your car, have, you know, buckets of fun. And, you know, I mean, wow, Portland is really close to Packwood, Washington. And there is a national level event in Packwood every year. And, uh, or at least there used to be, I don't know if there is now, but, uh, national level autocross event in Packwood. It's like one of the like hardcore events that everyone wants to get to. Um, sure. And it's, it's like, it's in your neighborhood. Like I'm, I knew, I knew friends that drove down there from here to, to compete there and did reasonably well, but, uh, that was always a dream to get down there. But then, Guess what? I rode a motorcycle for the first time. Oh, no. Yeah. How old were you when you were doing this? Uh, let's see. I raced on and off for 13 years. So oh, from like 2000, 2004 to so 2016. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So you're an adult and you're like, hey, man. I'm a yeah. I, it was, how did you, how it was did you find it? Um, well, this is shortly after Fast and the Furious came out. So I think, what was that? 2001? When right, that, that came out, so everything. the, the car yeah. scene changed everything. Um, 
I learned sort of what it was through some friends who I ended up driving to San Francisco or at least Northern California to, to meet with um, an old, uh, an old message board, uh, street racing online. So, you know, yes, there was some like legit street racing going on in Northern California. I was not necessarily part of that, but I, I hung out with them on the internet, you know, from, from winterland up here in Canada and ended up, you know, getting to know one of the guys online and we're just like, well, I'm just going to come down there. You know, when it get, gets me away, I was, I wouldn't say recently divorced, but my wife and I had separated. We were waiting for the divorce to finalize. It's just like, I need something to do. So I'm going on summer vacation and I'm going to drive to Northern California. So that was, yeah, 2003. So that was the first time I was ever in California. Um, in Oregon and Washington as I drove up the coast to come home. But uh, coming back from that trip, I had met a few people locally and that's sort of where I learned about it through another car club. And it's like, well, you should try your hand at this. I'm like, okay. So I pull up in, in my Pontiac Firefly, um, also known as a Geo Metro. Um, and uh, started, started racing a, a, a Geo Metro. But there's a class for it. So it yeah. like if you have a like in my case, the last vehicle that I was racing it was a Mazda Miata, um, which is like the the pinnacle vehicle. Um, you know, it holds its own against almost any car out there. Um but there's a class for like a four-door sedan. Um, like I used to have a I had a 2008 Toyota Camry because it it looked like a nice car, but there's a class for that. You can route across that if you want. It uh, it almost doesn't matter. It just can't be too tall and too narrow. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of crazy. I uh, <laughs> had a buddy with a Geo Metro, mm -hmm. and uh, we'd back into that thing and just go flying down the road. And we'd have the windows down. We'd just scream. I'm Geo. Those <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous high school things. So oh, I, man. I kept that car. Actually, I kept the Geo Metro that I built and started racing until I sold it in 2016. Um, and by that point, it had a roll cage in it. Um, I had built an engine and then took it apart and sold pieces from it. But I was pushing. So if anyone doesn't know, um, the Geo Metro I think has 55 horsepower at the flywheel. The, the three-cylinder engine puts out that much. There's really nothing. It translates to like 42 horsepower at the wheels. Yeah. I took it, turbocharged it, you know, did a whole bunch of other work, and I was making about 150 crank horsepower. Um, for a 1,750-pound car and that much horsepower, it was just a blast to drive. Totally stupid. Completely useless, but fun nonetheless. Oh, I think that is yeah. freaking awesome. So you had a hundred more horsepower, mm -hmm. and they what? Like, did you have to? What did you have to do the suspension and stuff? I mean, you're throwing out a lot more torque, so I'm sure that uh, the frame was getting a little. Uh, well, we didn't worry. We, no, no, no. We, we we didn't worry about that. You know, just just drive it, just drive it. Um, so I definitely concentrated on the wrong mods in the wrong order. Um, and okay. I probably should suspension first and, you know, yeah. perhaps make upgrade, um, little tiny changes here and there, but, uh, it just worked out that it, 
you know, I built the engine first and well, there's what I ended up with. And it's actually kind of what impressed my now current, my now wife um, when we sort of met online uh, back in 2005, you know, I showed her a picture of the car and she, you know, she's just like, well, you drive a race car. I'm like, I don't care what it is. It's a race car. So I'd have to dig up pictures of that, but uh, yeah, goes back you a long have way. To send me, a, you might have to send me a picture to. Uh, I will. You know, I will try and find it. Yeah, <laughs> try to embed it in, in in the description below here. That'd be uh, pretty hilarious for sure. Yeah, and if you're watching, then maybe I'll put it up on the screen right now. But uh, so getting into the racing, so you said autocross. So isn't that like you got little jumps and stuff too that you're going off? That's uh that's rally cross. Autocross okay, is rally cross. yeah, autocross is parking lot racing. Um dodging pylons in you know in a in a large expanse of uh of of tarmac. Yeah. That Big parking awesome. lots work great. Exhibition exhibition grounds. Um there's uh yeah, old runways. Um the I did a Canadian national event, it was on a on a runway in the middle of like nowhere in southern alberta but they could close the airport down and we're out racing for the whole weekend it was great that is hey we'll just shut this down for for a weekend you know yeah let yeah. you guys race i think that's rad dude it is it was a lot of fun it uh it i think it started and we'll, we'll get to it more a little bit in in a little bit but I enjoyed the training that I got, you know, having taken a, a, a two day, two day, a, a, a possibly multi-day uh, training course for racing your car. And you're racing yeah. in your own car um, with qualified instructors. And, you know, they, they just teach you everything, basically everything you're doing wrong, which was absolutely fantastic. But it changed my next year of racing. Um to the point where I was able to just say, I don't think I need to do this anymore. But like oh, I said, really? we'll get into that. Yeah, it's a, it was kind of an interesting story. Just the timeline of, you know, I'm racing cars, but, you know, we haven't mentioned motorcycles once. Um, yeah. And then just how that all happened. And yeah, I blame my brother-in-law for motorcycles. It's all his fault. Is it though? Is it? You know, I think it's freaking awesome, man. So tell me about your first race, you know, when you come oh. pulling up and you had the old Geo. I mean, I'm sure there were nerves and you're trying to make sure everything's all figured out. And the nerves know, were so bad. At it. Oh, my God. It was terrible. The The nerves were so bad that every time, you know, because it's not only going fast, but it's also slowing down and stopping um, yeah. in these in these sort of races but my 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 leg was vibrating on the brake pedal, you know, just just because the the just the adrenaline was pumping through me. It was you know the smile was ear to ear, but it's just like I'm just a nervous wreck. It was it was crazy. It was awesome. It was almost something you can't even explain. You have to experience it more than sure. more than just more than just uh, you know talking about it. I I could still feel it, but uh, my first race would have been I think 2003. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. With the uh, the Edmonton Corvette Club. Yeah. So I was there in my Geo Metro um racing a few other cars and the majority of them were Corvettes. But 
just like okay. golf, there's a handicapping system for it. So the uh, the easy decision to not race anymore was because of that handicapping system and also the non-handicapped time have that you're able to accomplish um, around the course. And it's a, it's a single lap time trial sort of style thing, you know, start, oh, okay. start finish, okay. you go from a stop and you, then you come to it or you start from a stop and then you come to a stop and, and you're triggering timing lights and stuff, hitting cones as penalties going off course, you know, either a DNF or a complete penalty or just a time penalty. And, uh, one of the biggest things that anyone can accomplish in any car is uh, is getting the fastest time of the day, you know, regardless of which group you race with. And uh, I managed to do that. This was after the training that I took and just, you know, years of, you know, beating my car to death, but not at the same time. It's actually, you know, not terrible on cars, even though I've seen it destroy some. Um, it's... Uh, I got the fastest time of the day in raw time and also uh, in the handicap time. So that uh, me allowed me being able to race with the, the Corvettes and then beat them in the raw time, but also, you know, get the fastest time in the handicap format where, you know, your, your Toyota Camry has a huge handicap margin. And then, you know, so it, it can match up with the, with the Corvette. Um, right. It uh, to do that in one event, um, it was it was amazing. Um, I never was That's able actually to do really that. cool. Yeah, it's like I said, it's so much fun. Like if you've got, if I had the car, I probably would still be doing it, but just for enjoyment, not for the competition. Um, sure, you know, tires are expensive, uh, brakes are expensive, but that's really your only consumable other than fuel and oil changes. Um, and you can keep you can keep the car builds to like the bare minimum. You don't need to to go out and spend you know ten thousand dollars building an engine. Just just race what it has. That's how that. And the more mod modifications you do, the um, the bigger your your handicapped in a way. Because um, right. because depending on what class you fall into, um, changes everything. So you can try and make your car faster, but in the long run you're slowing yourself down because of that handicapping system. Totally get that. Totally get that. That, that sounds, that sounds like a freaking great time. It's a hoot. Actually. Yeah. You know, just running around against the clock and then especially beating the old Corvettes. Cause kind of have just that stigma of the, you know, the stereotypical Corvette driver, you yep. know, and you come wheeling in on the geo and you're like, yeah, whatever. I, don't care, I, I never, I never did anything in the geo that was that sort of that sort of thing. The the fastest time of the day that I got was in the the Mazda Miata. So yeah, yeah, I'll get you some pictures of that too. That uh, that was a fun car to, to to work on and to race. And uh, the only time I felt my age driving it around was getting in and out of it. So <laughs> truth. I, I, so when when was this uh, Monster Miata? Was that that I mean. You started I, with the Geo, right? So yeah. At some so point, you you kind of upgraded, if you will, to to the. There Miata. was a time where there was a time where I wasn't didn't have a car to race. Um, I was race. I was team driving a car with a friend of mine. We built the car. It was a Honda Civic. Um, 
you know, everyone else's, or there's, there's, it's a go-to vehicle again, you know, depending on what class you want to race in, get a Honda Civic. It's perfect. Um, so we were racing that for a couple of years trying to think. And then I took another year break, got into a car accident, um, driving home from work. I got rear-ended pretty bad. Um, and, uh, replaced my Jeep Grand Cherokee with a Mazda Miata because why not? I found one for sale. It's like, I'm going to buy that. And, uh, that was, that was 2011. Okay. Okay. 2011, you got the new, uh, Miata rolling. I know there's a a little group of kids that are running around with those right now. They're all stanced out and their wheels are all looking dumb. But, yeah, you know. I I look at some of the cars now, and it's just like, well, what good is that now? You've destroyed the car, like you right. know, you you've removed all practicality from it. It's like, yeah, I'm I'm done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my uh, my oldest son got into that drifting scene for a hot minute. Thank God it wasn't something that he uh, really was into, like hardcore. But excuse me, we went out to uh, we have Pat Acres here. It's a uh, it's a little racetrack. Team Oregon does some, um, you know, advanced cornering classes out there, but they also do the drifting and, yeah. and all that. We went out and watched one of those. He was like, oh, you got to come out and watch. My buddies are doing this. My buddies are doing that. I'm like, all right, dude, we'll come out there. And I was just sitting there, you know, me, my business mind. I'm sitting out there watching this guy in this, like, truck with a trailer. And all he did was change tires all day. He had wow. a trailer full of tires and he had a tent and the cars would go out. They would come out. They would buy tires. He would change them. They would put them on. They would go out. They'd come back. They would buy tires. That's a good business like, model. Man, this guy is making a killing. Yeah. No, come on here. Yeah. Yeah. Here's your tires, kids. Yeah, dude. So, so you're doing the old, uh, the race thing. Um, and you said that's kind of, timeline while you were doing that you met your your current wife the wife yeah yeah so we um, we met late 2005 okay and so you said online met her online yeah yeah we 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 met on the internet oh man how very uh 2000s of you it it, it definitely (laughs) was yeah yeah man so you guys it took a few to find it yeah so you said she was impressed with the car right yeah you're a race car driver so it seems like the old uh, car gave you a little bit of bonus points there with the new lady i think so she gave herself some bonus points um after we i guess we were we were technically living with one another and i came home from work and she was in the garage you know working on her car and she was changing one of the valve cover gaskets because it was leaking i'm like well what are you doing she's like Change him a valve cover gasket. And I'm like, I think I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh, just a, a match made in the garage. Absolutely. Dude, that is awesome, actually. So she's out there turning wrenches. And you come home and you're like, all right. Yeah. So nice, man. The, uh, the national level event that I did and the training that I did in the Mazda Miata, she, um, she she was my pit crew, so she was changing tires for me and stuff. And you know, I'm I'm standing in the drivers' meeting, and you know, she's jacking the car up, changing tires and stuff. And 
and getting it ready for the next heat or, or whatever it was, uh, or, you know, just in the case that we're getting ready to pack up and go home. Uh, yeah. So, wow, dude, I got a good That's one. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you raced until when was it like 20, 2016, um, 2016. was the last, yeah. the last full year that I, that I competed in because of that fastest time of the day. That was, that was monumental, but it's yeah, also like, yeah, it's also the same year that I rode a motorcycle for the first time. Oh man. That's that right. So we're going to, we're going to, oh man, we'll, uh, we'll get to that here in just, just a second, <laughs> just a second. But so you've been working for your company and you said you didn't, you're not going to spot out the name, but they're, large corporation they are or we are uh the world's largest uh caterpillar equipment dealer um we're on oh, okay. three continents uh canada the uk and south america uh we're all over the place but so yeah. my job specifically um supports their component remand center here in edmonton and uh i work in the machine shop as a, as a technical consultant and advisor on repairing parts and what's the best way to put it, figuring out how to remanufacture things um, in the most effective way possible that uh, restores the most number of lives into the component. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's, that's a pretty big deal right there. So it's, uh, it's basically um, large scale, engine and powertrain component uh, recycling. Um, but to the point where, you know, we restore um, complete capacity as if the engine or transmission or torque converter was brand new. Um, so you can put it in your mining truck and uh, go move uh, ore or, or bitumen or anything like that. Right, right. So basically in the machine shop side or the machining side, yeah. Um, so in the machine shop side, how I got my start was actually in the, the chrome plating uh, facility that we had. Um, and we're no longer chrome plating. Um, it's a huge environmental, uh, not catastrophe, but risk. Um, right. Everyone saw Aaron Brockovich, the movie. Um, hexavalent chromium was not running through my veins, but uh, it was one of the chemicals that we had to deal with. And uh environmental spills are incredibly hard to clean up uh yeah and it's just toxic it turns your internal organs to mush um and it's uh it's a nightmare so we've sort of moved away as a company from using it um the company that we uh that we are a dealer for caterpillar has moved away from it almost completely and they're using uh they're using different uh, different products and different methods for attaching them to the parts to get the same uh, longevity that chrome plating has. Sure. Yeah. There's been a lot of uh, growth for sure. in that side, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, and just, you know, I, I, I hold a lot of chemicals, you know, in my professional life, you know, so it's, I'm always that guy when I making a delivery and, uh, whatever, whatever I'm hauling, whatever the chemical is, I'm always like, so, uh, what do you do with this stuff? <laughs> you know, I just want to know. I'm just curious yeah. on what all these do. And you'd be surprised how much sulfuric acid is used in everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's kind of incredible. It's... One of the weirdest, one of the weirdest things is, um, 
man, a long time ago, I went to one of the big um, uh, grocery warehouses with a load of sulfuric acid. And I just thought it was weird. I, I'm coming up with totes, you know, like, yeah, like basically two 2,200 pound totes, you know, full of sulfuric acid. I'm like, okay, here's all the bread trucks and, you know, the, the produce and everything. And I'm wheeling by and they're like, yeah, put it over there in dairy. Like, okay. Oh, it, it was a first part that they mixed with cleaning the big uh, dairy tanks. Oh, you know, the milk tanks okay. there. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> made me want to run out and buy milk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm always curious on, on how that, um, how the chemicals are used and what the, the process is. And, you know, Absolutely. I, just an education donkey, junkie for that. But so getting into your chrome plating job, did you, and, and I just know loosely stuff about machining and, and, you know, the math and some education that goes into that, you know, and certificates or whatnot. But were you like in high school DJing and thinking about this? Well, you said you went to the, the cult or hospitality for a while. Yep. So we're going to have to get into that. But at oh, some yeah, point through there, were you like, a bunch yeah, of did you did you go back to school? I did that, not. Or was it just like, no. was it on-job on training? Uh, on-the-job training. Um, yeah, okay. I don't, I don't have post-secondary education um, or technical school or anything like that. Um, I sort of fell into it, uh, you know, cutting my teeth in the Chrome shop and then eventually – well, not eventually, but a year later, um, I moved into the grinding department. So I was grinding industrial crankshafts um, that we were chrome plating and, uh, and and other hydraulic parts and stuff. And uh, yeah, so hands-on training. Um, that's, uh, that's, how I, that's how I fell into where I am, am now, um, just through a complete exposure and just left it at that. Yeah. Hey, you know, that works out pretty good. You know, you get into a job and obviously they've been treating you right. Uh, you know, I'm sure it has I, its ups and downs, but 25 years, man. I wouldn't That's be there if I was being treated poorly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, let's uh, let's go back a little bit. We did just skip over a whole bunch of stuff. So you're yeah. sitting there doing the uh, the DJ twice a week. You know, was it Sundays and Thursdays? Sundays and, and Thursdays. Uh, getting a little bit of a uh, cigarette money. Yeah. And uh, I would, it, it it started during like a six month break from working. When I left working in the restaurants, our restaurant, I was uh, just completely burnt out. I was 23 years old. It's just like, I'm done with this. I need to stop. I need to get away from it. And, uh, I took six months off and did nothing. I sat at home. I was living with my parents. It's like, I don't need to worry about that. So the yeah. DJing came up and it filled a void. It bought me cigarettes and that was that. But I think a smoking, of a hobby. smoking was still kind of cool at that point in, 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 uh, but, but it was, yeah. Anyway, I quit smoking like 10 years ago, but, uh, yeah, smoking was still kind of cool. So that's why everyone did it. Right. Sure, I, I guess I never. That was something I never got into. But um, so out of high school, you're bouncing into you said the hospitality. So yeah, how'd you fall into that. I like doing it. I yeah. still like cooking now. Um, so it was cooking. 
is what you were doing? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think, you know, you say hospitality. I think sometimes you, you think, you know, anything working on, you know, a maid or whatever from the hotel or the front desk of the hotel, that's the maintenance right, yes. to cruise ships to, you know, whatever. I, I think that's a pretty general term. So you were actually cooking back then. So were you like cooking before you got into that? And you're like, hey, I want to try to do this maybe for a living or maybe it's, just a it job. Started, or... It started as a job in high school and I was just working okay. at, uh, you know, XYZ restaurant, just making some money. And, uh, I think I liked it more than I thought I would. And, you know, just sort of moved up and got a job at a better, better restaurant with uh, a little bit better of a reputation. And, uh, I think I spent three and a half years there and uh, yeah, totally burned out after that time. It was great. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty good, man. I can uh, cook probably the best burnt toast you've ever had. <laughs> well, there's gotta be a little bit of it. That's burnt. The rest. Yeah. Of I, I mean, I mean, let's be real there. I could do pancakes and yeah, I could do some cooking, but you know, I'm not, not the best at it for sure, but so you did that for about three years. And, uh, was there anything that you were like, you know, my specialty or what was your favorite dish that you're like, Oh, I like it when they order this. Uh, I was, I was over Christmas. Um, I was talking with Owen and Owen Lush and, uh, <laughs> he's from, Odie. he's, he's, he's from, he's from the Maritimes. And, uh, I just told him that uh, I just finished making a big pot of clam chowder and his response to that was I'm on my way. So he's uh, I think <laughs> I'm going to try and quickly do the math. I think 300 miles or 250 miles North of me in for up in Fort McMurray. And uh, it was no hope he was going to get down here, but uh, yeah, I like yeah. making soup. Soup is You're good. Like, oh yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. I don't mind eating it by any means. I like, uh, you know, here's the other thing. I love cooking a turkey. I don't yeah. like turkey. Really? I, I, I love. I like the stuffing. I don't like the turkey. Yeah. I like cooking the turkey. I like making the gravy. I like making this. I uh -huh. like making everything else. I don't really like turkey. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we. Uh, we usually do the turkey down here on the Traeger. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Do it once, twice a year, whatever. But, uh, yeah, man. So get out of the hospitality. You took, uh, some DJing time mm -hmm. to yourself and then you got on with the company that you are started racing. No, see, there's the gap that we're missing. So yep. something that you and I share is for about six months, I dabbled in the logistical arts as, uh, shipping, receiving dispatch and learning how to drive a truck on the side. Oh, so, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I, uh, CDL holder. No, no, not no. anymore. Um, I, uh, just in training, I think, what was it? I was pulling three 28 foot pups and, uh, oh, wow. two 53 foot dry vans, just moving them around mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. It's it, uh, it was kind of it was kind of fun. Um, I liked sort of the mechanical aspect of driving it, um, but it just sure it didn't turn my crank enough 
to, to want to pursue it. So, yeah, I, uh, I get that. It's, it's a love hate relationship that, uh, I have with it. Yeah. I'm actually currently, I've been doing this for over a couple decades now and I'm just like, I'm ready to move on and do something else. And my life trajectory seems to be going in a different direction right now. And, uh, I'm trying to find a way to kind of fulfill that, but you know, it pays the bills and it's one of those things where kind of stuck with this business and, you know, I built this business and I did this and this and this with it. And, you know, it's, it's just to the point where like, I'm literally, literally taking, uh, tickling 3 million miles. Wow. My driving career. And I'm just like, no accidents, no moving violations. I mean, I've had some overweight tickets, you know, here and there, but who hasn't? Because sometimes you just are like, I'm fine. (laughs) I gave myself one of those just the other day. What was that? I gave myself an overweight ticket just the other day. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, that um, definitely one of those things, but it's. It's weird because I'll be out on the road and all I want to do is be home. Yeah. Right. You're out. You're just doing your thing. You're just like, I just uh, want to be home. And it, one of the things with me is um, we've kind of been talking with this with Casey is we used to like when I'd leave town, you'd have day one, two and three. Right. So you're pulling out and you're leaving the house and you, you know, you're going to be out for a minute. Day one sucks. Yeah. It's the emotional day. It's the heavy heart day. It's like, I don't want to leave the fam. You know, I don't want to do this, whatever. Day two, you're like, I don't want to do this, but, you know, here we are. We're out here doing it, right? So, whatever. And day three, it's like, that's when I would cross the Rockies. And you get into the Midwest and whatever. And you're like, okay, we're okay, we're into the routine. Let's go. Yeah. Right? But now it's just like day one every day. So that's oh. another telltale sign of like, yeah, I just, I need to be done, you know? Yeah. So that's a little uh, off ramp conversation right there. I think it's pretty cool <laughs> that you were trying to drive truck and doing, I think we call that the, uh, the Rocky mountain set of doubles with two fifty threes, And then yeah. a set of trips with the, with the, you know, obviously the three pups with you. So I think that's, that's kind of fun. I, uh, it's weird when there's like a hundred feet of stuff behind you. Yeah. You know, or more. Yeah. It's just like, this is so weird. And you go around a corner and it's just like, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're checking your mirrors and you're waiting, you're waiting. And it's still there. Yeah. I'll never forget that. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun when you're pulling doubles or whatever trips and you just kind of move the wheel just a little bit. You see that back trailer swirling all over the place. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, Oh boy. Absolutely, man. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the trucking world right there for you. But, um, so we're going to have to fast forward or not fast forward, but we're going to have to kind of just hit the button to kind of bring it all together. So 2016, you're racing cars. Yep. You got your wife with you. And somewhere along the line is your brother-in-law, I believe you were saying. And yeah. We, like, we went two wheel things. Yeah. So he had already been riding and he rode sort of since he was a young adult. Um I had been exposed to it and found it absolutely useless. My brother rode, he had a Yamaha V-Star back in the early 2000s. And I'm like, yeah, I I like my car better. Um, I can do all of this with it. And uh, I don't have to put it away in the summer or in the winter. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, I sat on it and 
you know, it's like, it's just not my thing. You know, I, I, I don't like it. And fast forward to 2016, we were on vacation. Um, my wife's family um, decided to rent some cottages in Southern BC. And we all sort of met up and, uh, and he brought his, uh, his CRF 250L. And that's the same bike as Critters got. And uh, I was about to say, he just spoke his language right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm standing there and I think it was, it was the day we got there. And he's like, he hands me his gloves and his helmet. I'm standing there in a t-shirt and shorts and tennis shoes. And he's like, what's the worst that can happen? I'm like, I could die. You know, you don't get it. I could die. And he's like, you know how it works, right? And he's talking to you, he's pointing at the clutch and the brake and stuff and the shifter. And I'm like, yeah, I understand how it works. He's like, you'll be fine. Just, just try it. And five minutes later, I come back, I was just riding around in circles in this field and I come back and I tear the helmet off and I'm just like, you know, Sue, my wife, I'm like, Sue, I need to take a motorcycle safety training course. I need to do that right now. And we, a month later, we were taking the course. But um, in the month that leading up to that, it was like, I just want to ride a motorcycle. Two weeks after riding it for the first time, I bought one. And because uh, a friend of mine had a KLR 650 that he wasn't looking at selling, but he didn't ride. And I'm like, you know, hey, Jamie, what are you doing with the KLR? He's like, four grand. That was his response. He's like, I'm like, okay, I didn't know any better. And it was a, it was a wonderful bike. I, I kind of miss it, but it was a, it was an amazing gateway. Um, so in that time, yeah, in, in the, in the month leading up to, from when I first rode a motorcycle till the time I took, or my wife and I took the MSF course, uh, was me convincing my wife to take the course with me. Um, by heritage, my wife is Polish. She was actually born in Poland. And one thing that a lot of Polish people do in the summer is pick mushrooms in the forest. And I said to her, I'm like, do you realize how many mushrooms we can find if we go looking for them on the backs of motorcycles? And she was sold right there. It's like, yes, I will take the course with you. And I think I was riding a, a 250L again in the MSF training, she was on a CBR 125. And since that day that I mentioned going to pick mushrooms on motorcycles, we've never picked mushrooms on motorcycles. Sounds Which about it, right. It, it, like we're too busy riding our bikes to go pick mushrooms now. So we did, yeah. I think I did, I was up there close to what Owen was able to accomplish this year or this 2023. I think I did almost or over 10,000 miles. I think almost 17,000 kilometers last year. And that was, and that uh, was amazing. Well, we, we were down into Northern California last year. Um, and we got as far south as Fort Bragg, California, which is a must stop place. So it's a, it's a destination for sure. Um, on yeah. a bike, in a car, doesn't matter. Just go there. Yeah, it was fantastic, dude. I didn't know you rode that much last year. You it know. was, and I've done yeah. it all with a set of tires. 
Ask me how. I don't know. I was like, I'm sorry, what? I okay. I have, there's I have ten thousand ten thousand miles on the set of uh, Dunlop's trail Dunlop Trail Max missions, and I don't need to change them yet. See, okay, know. so I I've had some of those, and I didn't get nearly those kind of miles. But I don't know how much riding you and I actually did up there in Vancouver. I think you went with the fans for the you, day. We rode past one another. Yeah, at the, in the I, field with the excavators that that uh, right, were, yeah, yeah, we rode past one another, and that's when I broke down. I uh, I got totally emotional. It was kind of fun, um, but it was uh, yeah. That's the only riding you and I have done. It's just that. <laughs> it's just it passing. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey. So yeah, I um, I actually have um, a pretty rare disease that I don't know if a lot of people really know about, but I'll let everybody here know. Um, it's been something that's, there's no cure for it. And um, it's actually pretty, uh, pretty tough. It's called brapitis. And I'm always just brapping the throttle. And yeah. I'm always trying to uh, throw rocks and brap, brap, brap. And um, I go through tires, man, because of that. Yeah. I, you know. I don't even put my bike in sport mode. Unless oh really? I, unless I need it, yeah. The Super Tanner yeah. doesn't. Yeah, no. Oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it scares the poop out of me a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know, man. I just, just the way that I ride and I like to ride, and I think, you know, the guys that ride with me a lot, like you know, Papa Cakes and Sean, and I think Critter. Uh, he and I have done pretty extensive riding together, and man, I'll just be like. I don't know, just screw it down the road. I'm like, brap, brap, brap. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Hey, look, let's see if I can throw a rooster tail. It comes up. Oh, and don't get me like, but, I was riding on New Year's on New Year's Eve here, um, just earlier this month, and yeah. I think I on a on the gravel road uh, on some random gravel road. It's a straight section. It was a nice hard pack, and I was in second gear. I'm just you know, putting along at 30 miles an hour. And it's just like, I've got a bunch of engine left and I just, I just gave it all I had and uh, just lit it up for like, I don't know, 600 feet and, you know, two gear shifts later. And it's just, it's just spitting everything out behind me and the tires are still fine. So I do, I do like to, to be a little bit of a hooligan, but uh, not on pavement, you know, def definitely, uh, Definitely reserved, a reserved rider on, on tarmac. Yeah, that's, uh, that's Sean too. Um, yeah. He gives me a little bit of a hard time when we're cruising, you know, point A to point B to get off on, uh, under the gravel or whatever, but I, I call it urban adventure riding. Yeah. You know, I'll leave like a gas station, for example, or, you know, whatnot. And I'll make sure I jump the curb to get back <laughs> out. You know, if there's a roundabout, I'll. You know, I'll hit that, try to jump a little bit or wheelie or something across, you know, oh, I can't do, do something. Either. Yeah. Something stupid like that. I just, he gives me a hard time. And I think it's funny when Sean's like, you know, you didn't use your turn signal or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I know it's too busy goofing off, but uh, yeah, I call it the, the urban adventure writing for sure. Yeah. I always, probably always guilty of a little bit of that. 
you know, I'm I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna put the bike over and go around a corner aggressively. And, you know, it is a super tenere and not very good at doing that, but it'll do it if you want it to. And uh yeah, I just I just like to have fun in the dirt more than anything else. Oh, or yeah. you know, yeah. or like the slowest speed possible. Um, going back to the MSF training, um, we were learning how to slip the clutch and stuff, and just figure out how, you know, just to just to get the feel for how it's all supposed to work together and how you can use it to your advantage. And ever since that day, the first day of the MSF training, um, every chance I get, you know, similar to you going to the to the practice area just to, uh, you know do a couple break checks and, and whatnot, just to get yourself back into feeling. It's like, I'm going to practice my low speed maneuvers and my low speed turns and all that stuff. And I'm just going to slip the clutch the entire time. I don't care. I've, <laughs> I'm just going to do it. Cause that's what I like doing. And uh, yeah, if I could take an that? MSF train, if, if it was free here in Alberta to take like an MSF or similar course every year, I would be there every single year doing it just because it's so much fun. Well, I not think we need to do not because I'm showing off to people, you know, like, Hey, look what I can do. Ha yeah. ha. No, it's just because it's fun. You know? Oh, it is. And, and I think a lot of people that don't, don't ride, they don't understand, you know, 50 miles an hour coming into a corner and you're counter steering in and you're getting that bike leaned over, you know, and, and you're at a pretty good, clip going around that you got a little bit of g's pushing on you and stuff counter steer out that's exhilarating that's a lot of oh, fun yeah however or you know trail going, into a corner yeah i mean doing all that it's awesome and exhilarating but the slow maneuvers going super slow trying not to tip over don't put your foot down and stuff man that is so much more difficult than and all that other stuff yeah like hands was, down not even close one of the guys that i that i try and support as best i can he's out in uh wisconsin I, he's navy or coast guard and he's he's stationed out there now um he's uh he's doing a hundred day static balance challenge on his enduro bike and uh i was like well i've done this before um I think I I posted a video on my YouTube channel just because it was a bunch of a bunch of hacks that you can use to you know work on your static balance and it doesn't really matter what size bike you have. Um, I was using my trials bike, which I've since sold, um, but I think I was like two and a half minutes static balance on concrete. Wow! Yeah. Um, so I was just it's a long was, time, man. And I was talking to the camera while doing it. So it was, I was completely under pressure. You know, I couldn't, uh, I was trying to show off a little bit, but it's because I practice it all the time that it, it looks almost effortless. Um, and I think I, I, I said, I said, Nick, I'm going to go show you what I can do on the super tenor. Right? Cause right now it's the only bike that I have. And, uh, I think I got like 18 or 19 seconds on the super tenor. You know, static balance, engine not running, concrete floor, and just do what you can. And uh, I was just like, the first time I ever did it, it was, uh, so wait, oh man, it was 32 seconds, not 18 seconds. 
on the super Ooh. 10. Yeah. Um, I did the first time I ever did a static balance challenge was on my, uh, my KTM 350 EXC F and that was 18 seconds after trying like practicing for like half an hour. Um, but then that's where it started um, to like the desire to want to practice even more uh, was that challenge. That was, I think 2019 um, I had gone down to Utah to ride um, with a bunch of guys with Everride. Um, Tyler, well, that is another amazing individual. Um, and uh, one of the guys, um, he posted up, you know, and tagged me and, you know, called me out and said, you know, show us your best. And uh, I got 18 seconds. You know, other guys that I had ridden with down there, they're like, you know, barely a second. They just couldn't, they just couldn't get it. And from there, then on, it was just like, I need to figure out how to do this better. And I posted the video on YouTube. I can send you a link to it. And uh, it, uh, the hacks are amazing. And it just, it, it works for any bike. I had my wife um, come into the garage. I said, just give me two minutes. I will have you doing this. And you'll be able to take your hands off the handlebars and still static balance the bike. And it, it, it's, it's just, the technique works. I'm, I'm sitting here like Tony little technique, but, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's just so much fun and any chance I get, I'm going to do it. You know, it's a, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm listening to you do this. I'm like, man, I need to get my ad ad out and I need to head back over to that training course over there. And I need to, to get more good or at, yeah. uh, at doing the static balance. Cause obviously little things like that, it, it just, it makes you safer and a better writer. Oh yeah. Being able to figure out your balance and stuff. So yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. The biggest thing is don't look, don't look at the bike while you're doing it. Focus on something else, you know, in front of you. Um, and just, and just, you know, build that muscle memory. It's a lot of core strength. It's like that you need, but, uh, it, uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun. I, I put my bike in storage. It's sitting in a sea can here on our property. And uh, the only bike that I have in the garage right now is actually Owen's Africa twin. So I, uh, I might take it off oh, the man. and in practice with his. Yeah. You know, I think that's pretty good. That's uh that's the twinsie to my bike. Yes. Yeah. 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 Buddy. Yeah. Owen's good dude. I didn't realize you guys were uh, buddies like that. Coming down uh, so and, uh, when we were down, yeah, when we were down, my wife and I were traveling in the U.S. Um, this past summer. Owen was like 300 miles behind us, almost on the same the same path going through. Um, we were in Fort Bragg at the same time, actually, because we spent my wife and I spent two days in Fort Bragg just taking a break, and uh, we just we didn't get a chance to meet up. So the first time we met in person was actually at uh, was on the island in September at uh, Get Lost, Find Yourself. Wow. What a, what an event. I mean, it brought everybody together. Yeah. That, that was, was so cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, man. So, um, doing your static challenge and, and all of that, um, what do you think was the best part of hitting? What would you say? 32 seconds? I mean, was that like a goal or were you just like, I'm just going to go as long as I possibly can. The, the goal was get as long as I could and then, yeah. you know, record it and post it on Instagram. Yeah. So in that video, you do you talk about like, hey, this is how you do it? You know, this is the best. The, the video that I have on YouTube, yeah. 
Um, it's like yeah. 13 or 14 minutes, sort of a, a cut and, or, you know, a condensed, um, a condensed tutorial, but it goes through yeah. everything. You know, there's a couple bullet points that I throw up on the screen with what to do and what makes it work and where to start. Um, not just like, you know, getting up on the bike and saying, look at me, I can do this. It's really easy. Um, no, it's like, start here and then, you know, slowly progress and, you know, get rid of the, the, the helpers that, that I talk about in the video. And then, you know, you'll be on your own and go have some fun with it. Oh man, that's pretty awesome. But, uh, in true fashion, we we're we're ping ponging all over the place here. Cause we went from your safety class, your safety course <laughs> to that. <laughs> so there's gotta be like a whole bunch. So you bought the KLR six fifty. That was your first mm -hmm. bike. You had that for however how how long did you have that for? I let's see. I had it for almost two years. Okay. And in early 2018 is when I bought the Super Tenere. Super so I've had that. I've yeah, it was a 2017 Super Tenere. Um, and I bought it last year's model, 2018. Okay. Yeah. 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 My, you know, as you know, but I don't know how many other people, my dad, you know, pop cakes, he, he's got two bikes, you know, he's got the, uh, the T7, the yeah. Tenere 700, and he's got the Super T, the 1200. I don't remember what year his bike is. I think his, I think he said his was a 16. Yeah. 2016. This is the burgundy right. one, right? No, it's blue. It's the, the oh, Yamaha blue. Oh, that's right. He told me that and I started drooling. That's like the, the perfect yeah. color. Yeah. Mine's uh, the it's, desert it's a sand. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a super nice bike. I've ridden it, I think, I don't know, maybe once or twice or something. But yeah, those are uh, definitely the good street cruisers for sure. The, you know, the only they, thing that it needs is more ground clearance. And then it, yeah. it would, it would, you know, I mean, I'm pretty stupid and I do ride it, you know, somewhere somebody's going to take their seat T7 or, or wherever, but you know, I, I suffer because it weighs almost 600 pounds. Yeah. It's definitely a heavy bike. Yeah. It's not, it's comparable to the, uh, the Africa twin and it's a little bit heavier, but not, yeah. not a lot. Right. We're both in that same ballpark. And, uh, I don't think you're stupid for taking it in places, man. I sometimes I'm riding, you know, my the ad at, like, you know, I'm following Critter or you know, <laughs> I'm out here riding something, and I'm, I, dude, I'm slinging down single track, and I'm just like, yeah, it's eleven hundred or two fifty. Take your pick. You yeah, know, I'll ride it both. You know, I think that's uh, that's just the way you got to ride. Yeah. So, so you got it's that. Uh, a super T and a couple years, what, 18? And then, uh, I mean, what did you think about it? Why did you pick the super T actually? That's kind of, so uh, with everything looking, on the market, that's kind of a unique bike. Yeah. Um, back then, um, the V-Strom didn't have cruise control. That was one of the bikes I was looking at. So it was the V-Strom. Um, I think the BMW 850 had just come out. Um, and the the Super Tenere, and I think that was that was basically what I was looking at. I don't remember looking at the Africa Twin. Uh, there was a Tiger, uh, Tiger 800, XCX. That was another one. 
Um, but it turns out that they didn't have any in stock. So it's just like, okay, well, I'm going to go look somewhere else. Um, the, the Super 10 rate ticked all the boxes. So I had the KLR. I was thinking of keeping that. Um, originally, the goal was, or the plan was to get a small bike. Uh, like, you know, small displacement, 250 or whatever for riding off-road. And I looked at it and I'm like, well, then I just kind of have two bikes that are about the same and do the same things. So like, let's get something that I can, uh, you know, go from city to city and maybe do a little bit of off-road and then still have the KLR to go and ride off in the foothills and whatnot and do the gra the gravel travel thing. Mm -hmm. And so I bought the Super Tenere. Um, has cruise control, which is amazing. Um, it doesn't work very well, but I deal with it. And it's it's uh, it's not that there's something wrong with it. Um, it just could be better. Uh, sure, yeah. Yeah, the uh, the cruise control on my wife's um, Tiger 900 um, is so much nicer. Uh, but uh, anyway, that's another story. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, what happened next? So what happened was, I was like, I don't think I need. the KLR and the Super Tenere. I need something in between or it's smaller than the KLR. So I ended up with, uh, I think it was 2018. Yeah, 2018 I bought, I also bought a, a used a WR250R. Um, wow. And it, it had a Super Motard package with it. So it was actually the, the 250X the factory uh, supermoto that Yamaha was making, but I had the off-road package with it that the the previous owner had put together. You know, just no-name wheels and, and hubs, it worked. Um, but that was the first bike that I took down to Utah to ride uh, in St. George. Um, so I sold the KLR, obviously. It was just like, well, I, I don't need the KLR anymore because it's just sort of sitting there filling a void that doesn't need to be filled. Right. And, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, oh, well, of course I got bored with the WR too, cause I wrote a KTM. So I sold the, I traded the, uh, I traded the WR for a CVR 600 RR, um, because it's going to oh, be easier geez. to, it's going to be easier to sell the CVR 600 RR than it is the WR 250. Um, and that was indeed the case. Um, but I rode the CBR 600 around a little bit and I was just like, I don't like this, you know, even to get, to get from my house to the, to the main roads, we live out in the country. Um, I think I've got, you know, uh, like 600, 600 yards of, of gravel, gravel roads to get down. So it's not really the greatest bike for it, but, uh, yeah, I just didn't like it. So I thought about keeping it and I was going to, I'll, maybe I want to go ride at the track. I don't know. Do a couple track days right. here and there, but it was just like, no, I don't like it. You can't so imagine I that was comfortable at all on the gravel. It, zero comfort. Yeah. yeah. No comfortability, but the seating position, the, the first time, it. 
Yeah. Everyone remembers the first time they rode on a gravel road and how much they hated it. It was that every single time. Oh man. Yeah. There was no getting used to it. Yeah. And just those things have like the instant power, you know? Yeah. And what, of... like 12,000 RPM or some 14,000 RPM at red lines at, it was just like, this is insane. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, I just don't need it. Yeah. Think, doing doing 60, all, 65 miles an hour in first gear, not not something I need. Yeah, I think we all go through the uh, the crotch rocket phase at some point. Just to, I think it I think it lasted three months. Yeah, yeah. So you said you went down into Utah. You went down to St. George. Yeah. Well, you're. I mean, you're right by the Grand Canyon and stuff. Did you do any of that, or were you just now just kind of off road? Because usually when Somebody's like, "Hey, I'm going to Utah." Everybody's like, "Oh, you're going to Moab?" Nope. You know, never so been to Moab. St. George is yeah, St. George, close. It's amazing. Yeah. It has like the riding down there. Um, you can drop down. You can just head south out of St. George into Arizona. Um, there's Warner Valley, which is a big, basically big desert. Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely amazing riding in there. Whether you like it or hate sand, um, you get used to it in about 10 minutes. Uh, or at least through my experience, I, I hate riding in sand, but here's the guy who went to Utah to go and do it. And because that's what's there. Yeah. And uh, you just get used to it. It gets better with time. And uh, well, I was going down specifically to, to meet up with um, probably one of the more famous motorcycle vloggers and, and YouTubers, and that's Everride. Uh, and, uh, he, uh, he's probably, I would consider him my best friend. I, I still talk with him, uh, text messages and whatnot. I've been down there four times just to, just to ride with him and stuff. And yeah, we we still talk to one another. It's uh, it's pretty that's awesome. Pretty fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's some amazing riding down there. And, uh, yeah. it actually has one of the best roads to ride. It can, in that area, I should say. So I did a, uh, it was back in 18, I think somewhere like around 2018, I did a, a solo ride and, you know, left from here and I all around Utah and Nevada and just, you know, chipping off some national parks or whatever. And, you yeah. know, you kind of have zero itinerary. You just kind of roll, you know, you're just kind of like whatever. And there's a, uh, Highway 152, I think, from Beaver, Utah, up and over the hills. And oh, it's a lot of gravel. Then, yeah. Yeah, I know that spot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it goes up to like, I think it's around 10,000 feet, you know, when you're crashing over the top and, and oh, you go wow. down. But I got down back onto the highway, and uh, I'm slinging down the highway, and I'm kind of pointed loosely towards Bryce Canyon National Park. And, uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm literally just going, I'm just, whatever I have nothing but time. Right. And, uh, I just pass a sign that said Capitol reef national park next left 100 miles. I went, all right, looks like I'm going there. I got you feel know. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? So I made yeah. that left, but, uh, there's the, uh, the S was it the Escalante, uh, national staircase monument and it goes, oh. it's highway 12 in utah and essentially if you're going from zion national park to bryce canyon or bryce canyon to zion 
that's yeah, that's probably the road you're going to take. Yeah, Brace Canyon is east of Zion, if I remember right. Yeah, northeast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was I hit Capitol Reef, and then I went to Bryce, and then I went heading over to Zion, and I turned this corner out of Torrance, Utah, and I'm kind of going down there, and my first time through this area, right? And I'm on a motorcycle, and there is a construction sign that said like the next hundred miles or next 112 miles, you know, like curvy coat roads for the next 112 miles. And you're just like, yes, it's yeah. like the motorcycles dream right there. Yeah. And it, it's a stunning road. There's a part of it where you're kind of twisting, but you're up on top of this like spine Ridge and it's not very far off the road and it just goes down. It's just breathtaking part of the country. And, well, part of the world, really. But it was just one of those things where, you know, you're talking about going down to Utah and just, you know, yeah. my trips over there, riding through there and being riding in Moab. And I actually, the the St. George, that's what reminded me about all of this was uh, kind of getting to that is I got down to Zion and it was 104 degrees outside. And I was waiting for the tour buses. So I'm like at a dead stop. Stop and go, stop and go, dead stop, stop and go, stop and go. And it's just the heat's radiating off all the rocks, you know. Oh, it's just no I'm, I'm all the gear all the time, you know. So I got down to Zion. I kicked it back in the uh the visitor center for a little bit. And then that was like the only night I was like, I am getting a hotel room. It is yeah. way too hot out here. I'm not gonna camp tonight. I uh when we were on our when we were in the States this year, um we were coming up from Fort Bragg into Redding, California, and it was about 104. And that was too much. That was too hot. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah, that seems to be kind of the border. I can do like 90, you know. I can do yeah. maybe 95 or whatever. But, man, when you're getting into triple digits, yeah. No. Like, all we, gear, were, man, it, we came up, um, what, I think, was that Chino? We sort of skirted around Chino and then headed up I-5 to Redding, and that was hot. And then when we were at uh, in Oregon, uh, Lake Abert, um, it was another 104-degree day, and it was like, I'd rather sit in a hot tub at this temperature than ride my motorcycle. You know, it was was nuts. Um, But absolutely spectacular views around Lake Abert. It was... uh, it was mirrors like as smooth as glass. The reflection on the lake was amazing. Um, and just, just riding through there. I think we ended up in Burns or Hines, Oregon that day. Um, just, just absolutely breathtaking. I think other people have said it before about Oregon. Um, get yourselves to Eastern Oregon. It's absolutely one of the best places to go. Yeah, you are right, uh, Burns and Hines. That's right where Giant Loop does their ride. That's right, yeah. As, as far as I'm concerned, Southeast Oregon is only comparable to Moab. Yeah. That's the only, that's the only other place I can compare to the riding. Well, it's okay. Just, it's, it's my backyard. Yeah. The, the, the episode that your dad was on um, – he was talking about riding up into Canada, riding through Banff and, and up Lake Louise and coming up towards Jasper, Alberta. And yeah. he was talking about that. I'm like, oh no, there's there's a better way to go. There's a better way to go. And I and I was I was uh 
you know, thinking about it and just sort of plotting it on a map in my head. Like, no, this is the way you have to go to get there. This, this is way better. You know, ignore, ignore Banff. It's, it's kind of pointless. It's a tourist town. Um, it would be like, you know, a motorcycle destination to Vail, Colorado. Like, don't go there. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, yeah. There's, there's other places. There's, there's way better, um, you know, outside of the national park, unpaved roads that, uh, and tons of spots to camp, you know, all the way between there. It's just, that's, that's where to go. Yeah. Well, we're probably going to have to, uh, get a hold of, well, not get all of you, but we're going to have to chit chat a little bit because I think, uh, in my mind, I'm thinking about, you know, get lost 2024, leaving the North side of the Island, like how Owen went last year. Oh yeah. Through, you through, know. um, yeah. It's coming down through Prince Rupert. Yeah. Or yeah. further East. I don't know. I'm trying to kind of get everything. Yeah. Uh, what is it? So the ferry takes you essentially from, uh, was it Port Hardy over to, uh, Bella Coola? And then, oh, there's uh, that one too. That one's a little bit shorter of a trip than the one that Owen did. Owen came down from Prince Rupert, which is farther oh, up. He the coast. came from, yeah. For yeah. some reason, I thought he came from Bella Coola, but uh, yeah, whatever. It, yeah. it sounds something like that sounds absolutely amazing, and, and just to just to get back and take your time and yeah. go see go see some well, new uh, some new roads. One of my customers actually. Um, from Massachusetts was in Arizona picking up his super Tenere. Um, that's ladle sport ADV equipped, I might add. Um, and uh, he was, he needed to get to, he wanted to go to Alaska and possibly get to Prudhoe Bay, um, uh, which is uh, dead horse, Alaska. Um, and if he wasn't able to get there, um, he was going to go up, uh, so that's the Dalton Highway. He was going to go up the Dempster Highway from Whitehorse, Yukon, towards Tuk Tuk Tuk, on uh, on that 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 summer road that they built going up there. Um, so he made it to Tuk Tuk Tuk, um, and then he was coming back down. But he's like, he asks me, he's like, I'm in Arizona right now. What's the best way to get to Tuk to, to like to at least one of those points, either Fairbanks or or uh, Whitehorse? Whitehorse Yukon so that he can get to either Prudhoe Bay or Tuk Tuk Tuk. And, uh, cause he was just going to like go up on the highways. I'm like, no, 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 no. Stay off the interstates. Don't do that. Um, right. And, uh, I use a, a service, uh, plotterroute.com cause you can generate GPX tracks from it and it's all online. It's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. But, uh, I just sent him those. I just did a, you know, go this way, you know, stay here. If you're going to go, um, you know, here's a hotel to stay at in this town. And, uh, I think he was doing like 600 miles a day if he was on tarmac. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, but the cool part was, is he made it to tuck, tuck, tuck for his 60th birthday. So that was like, you know, he was sitting there, you know, boots off, you know, wiggling his toes in the Arctic ocean on his 60th birthday and camping right on the beach. So he was, uh, he was Epic. stoked. And then he, he came back, um, through Edmonton, um, and he stopped at my house just in the afternoon and, uh, I quickly did an oil change for him on his bike and got him on his way. But, uh, that was, uh, that was awesome. yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you just kind of brought it, uh, well, just brought up another, another segue there, you know, that he bought <laughs> a, a little sport 
T Super Tenere. So where bring us to the beginning of uh, of of ladle sport? You know, when did you decide? Hey, I'm going to start making some uh, motorcycle well, accessories. I think we need to start with the name versus what yeah. it is now. Um, the, the name, chicken. the chicken. Yeah. Well, we have to thank Brett Tax for the chicken, and I'll explain that. Okay. Um, okay. Actually, I'm going to turn around and grab some stickers just so I can hold them up to the camera. Yeah, yeah, you do that. So I'm actually going to be pretty interested to hear about uh, what he's got going on right here. About this part, I'm very interested. Oh, he's back. Stop talking about it. I am back, yeah. Um, so shouting yep, chicken there it is. um that is the slogan um for my website ladle sport adv um but we need to talk about where ladle sport came from so yes. back to back to the turbocharged geo metro um honda had a an aftermarket tuning company by the name of spoon sport and they were producing you know parts and accessories and whatnot for all of the Honda models that were out there and of course Acura, but I have to thank a, a, a buddy of mine who I'm only acquainted with on Facebook now, um, back in 2005 or 2006, who looked at me and said, huh, well, you know, it's not a Honda. I'm like, well, yeah, I know. He's like, the ladles are bigger than spoons. So spoon sport, you know, ladle sport, that's, that's where it came from. So, and that's just Love because it. the car was, that's because <laughs> the car was insanely, you know, it was just stupid um, to, to ride around um, in and race. Um, it was just completely useless, but fun to build. Um, I think that was, that was the first engine I built as well um, in, in my garage. So. Nice. Yeah. So um, spoon's big, or the ladle's bigger yeah. than a spoon. Ladle's bigger than a spoon. Yeah, you know, you, so you just showed I, that sticker, and uh, I just I got to throw a quick, quick segue over here on that is um, we just got my granddaughter the, the little electric bike, yep. and uh, it it looks a lot like my motorcycle, the Adat, and uh, so when it came and stuff, I was like, I have a bunch of stickers from all my friends laying around the house, you know, and. <laughs> You know, Sean, I went over there. He gave me a couple other stickers to use, you know, and I didn't have any Wolf Enduro and he had some of those. So I'm kind of, you know, decorating the bike and getting it ready to give to her because I really wanted to make it look like grandpa's bike. And shout out to Giant Loop, you know, for the zigzag bag. They just sent that over to her. So, nice. you know, great company, you know, so it looks a little bit more like grandpa's bike. And uh, yeah, she's I put the screaming chicken on it down on the kind of the, <laughs> the swing arm of the bike and stuff and she she loves that's her favorite sticker you it's, know i just think it's great she kind of laughs so at it in yeah, that's exactly there it is right there um i'll hold it up closer to the camera it's uh thanks to my brother-in-law who did the graphics work on this um first off um but where it started um was we have chickens here on our acreage. Um, they were warm enough when it was cold earlier this week too. Um, they're winter hardy chickens. They, 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 they keep warm. Um, but uh, I think it was 2018. 
I had the super tannery out. I had washed it on the driveway and we let our chickens out run around the yard. Um, they know, they know to stay home and they just do their thing. They know where our home is and they come home every night. But, uh, one of the chickens jumped up on my, and on my motorcycle and was sitting on the seat. So of course I took a picture of it. I'll send that to you. Um, yeah. but, uh, so it, it was like, okay, well it's a Yamaha. Um, you know, and there was chatter on the super Tenere message board, um, about, you know, like having like, not a catchphrase. I, I'm not even sure, uh, a slogan. And I posted that picture and I said, well, what about shouting chicken? And, you know, it's sort of a, not, like, I'm probably going to end up with a cease and desist order for this, but it's kind of a knock at Harley Davidson and they're screaming Eagle. Um, right. so screaming Eagle shouting chicken. Um, but yeah, uh, don't hate me. It's right. You know, no, dude, I think it's great. Yeah. I um, think the name is great. I think the sticker is fantastic. The, the other side of it is, um, sort of what spurred on the creation of the sticker and the actual meaning for shouting chicken. And that is an effective trail rating system. And what I mean is everyone knows what a chicken sounds like. And it's the chicken, the chicken, you know, also there, but it sounds like a specific expletive that a lot of people use when they're upset, mad, um, you know, scared. Uh, so, you know, well, I just rode down this trail. Well, how many shouting chickens was it? You know, how, how many times did you sound like a chicken? And that was Brett Tax. Um, <laughs> he was doing a downhill um, uh, tutorial uh, on the T7 that he had rented out in Georgia or borrowed. And uh, he was only using the rear brake with the ABS off. And he was clucking like a chicken all the way down the hill. And it was, uh, it was, it was awesome. I, he actually, he actually, I sent him a bunch of the stickers and said, thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, I Brett tax. That's, that's where that comes from. I think that's fantastic. And I, I, I believe I know exactly what video. Yeah. You, uh, he had, I think it was like three, three years ago. With him. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. The same, uh, wasn't that the same farm where they were showing how to jump a log or something like that? I don't know. Might've um, been the same video. Yeah. 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 It very well could have been. Yeah. So we got the stickers in. Tell us about the business. Where did that so come from? How the you... business, it originally started with one product, as I think most businesses do. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, McDonald's started with hamburgers, right? Um, and that was the bar across the bottom of the windshield on the Super Tenere, the nav bar that they call it, because it's you can mount a bunch of stuff there. It vibrates like crazy and just shakes. There's no support for it. Um, so there was, the first product was to fill a void, um, for the super tenere. And that was a bar that supports the bar. Um, it bolts onto the side just above the the fuel tank and then sits in the, uh, it just sits in the, the brackets for the adjustable windshield and just keeps it stable. So you can actually see your, the screen on your GPS or your phone, um, when you're using it for navigating. 
I'll be very specific about that. Um, and uh, it just it just limits the vibrations, even at at uh, you know eighty four miles an hour off road. It's still pretty stable. I don't speak from That's experience. Clip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. Sure. It was a closed private road, uh, trained uh, professionals. Yeah. 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 Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Absolutely. Disclaimer. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that was your first uh, your first product. You yeah, know, and gonna, did that become a full on business at that point, or were you just more like uh, I was you know, just a guy, on it? just a guy contracting the job out to a laser cutting shop here in Edmonton, and saying, "Make me fifty of these and selling them on Etsy." And it got to the point oh, nice. where people were contacting me. Well, what about so? What about something like this? Uh, can you do anything with this? And I'm like, well, yes, I can but it incorporates product made by another company. So I can't use Etsy anymore because that was, that was their, their platform at that time. It's like for makers, it's the, the makers selling space. And if you're designing the part yourself and if you're using a, a partner um, in this case, the laser cutting shop um, and then just selling it that way, you qualify to be a, an Etsy vendor. Um, so I couldn't, well, now I have uh, the Hell Performance brake hoses, um, the stainless steel braided lines, um, because I was incorporating that into the fenderizer kit that somebody asked me to create. Um, I couldn't sell them on Etsy anymore, so I transitioned to using uh, an e-commerce website through through Shopify, and uh, that's that's where it became a website. Um, or it was just, you know, a couple products and some stickers or one product and a bunch of stickers, um, on Etsy. And, uh, that was the Etsy thing started right at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. I launched on April 3rd, uh, oh, 2020 wow. on Etsy. And I think I got, I paid through the nose for them because the quantity was so low. I think I sold 10 sets. Um, just through the message board, uh, the uh, super tenor message board um, in like 25 hours. And I was just like, well, I'm sold out guys. Sorry. And uh, it, uh, Dang. yeah, I, it, it's, uh, it's, it's been awesome. Uh, it's slowly growing. I think last year, 2023, um, I had, I saw 40% growth over 2022. It just, you know, gross sales. It's just like, this is cool. You know, the, it supports itself. I don't have to put any money into it anymore. I took out what yeah, I so. put it back. You know, I got back that money on that initial investment. And it's just, it's, it's self-perpetuating now. So you just threw out, you know, the business grew 40%. Like, yeah, no big deal. That's pretty good. You know? Well, okay. So it. it's relative. It's, it's, it's relative, but when you are talking with other business people or whatever, you know, the, the, the trajectory per year that a lot of people don't want to grow is about 18 to 20%. Yeah. So you essentially doubled that and uh, <laughs> you got to slow down and be like, dude, that, that's awesome. I, Man, that is awesome. I'm, I'm going to stay humble and remain pretty modest about it. I mean, yes, it's a, it's a, it's definitely 
something cool to have happened, but yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't have I don't to be more like, yeah. <laughs> I'll say how it is. And I think it's actually kind of funny because when you and I first kind of started talking about doing this, uh, this podcast, you're like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk yeah, about these reports. And I'm like, well, are you kidding me? Yeah, man. Absolutely. This should be a part of it. Yeah. You know? So and I, it, that's the humble part of you. Yeah. It got to the point where I had to learn how to model things in 3d. Um, and, you know, try and absorb some business savvy and, building a website. I, I don't much care for my website, but it serves a purpose and it does that thing. The way the website looks, isn't going to sell products. So I don't really care. Um, and yeah, I thank you, Ian. I'll just, I'll just say that. Thank you very much. I, I mean that. Um, yeah, I will just continue, continue moving forward. Um, I had the opportunity to work with the, with some amazing partners um, last year, um, one of them being Takamoto down in Las Vegas, yeah. and uh, yeah, they uh, they purchased a bunch of stuff from me and sold it on their website, and uh, that was kind of cool to see my products uh, for sale there as well. Um, yeah, thanks, Mike. Super cool. It was it was a, it was a yeah. cool opportunity. Yeah, big shout out to those guys. I I like their. I like everything about them, actually. Yeah. I'm actually, you know, if if you're watching this, I'm not, like, ignoring. I'm actually, I have another screen over here, and I have your website <laughs> actually up. You know, so I'm kind of perusing and going, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, I like that. I like that. I, I uh, think Marsh I remember Drive. what the address looks like, you know, or what the address is, but, yeah. What do you got? Ladlesportadv.com. Yeah. There you go. That's what it is. Yeah, man, this is you got somewhere some big, around so, here. I mean, you have a lot of stuff. I mean, you have brake hose kits, you've got yeah. replacement braided front brake lines. I mean, you've got a lot of stuff on here. Yeah, you know? so it seems like starting from that one mounting kit, you've really expanded and into multiple uh, motorcycles as well, right? Motorcycle families, if you will. Yep. Yep. Let's There's see. uh and that's just because people asked for it. So it's just like, well, yeah, I can do that. Oh, you, can you do kits yeah. for street bikes? Yes, I can get that made. So yes, they're on there too. Um, yeah. The actually the package that I sent for your dad, um, it has uh, one of our water pump guards, and the water pump guard came to be because a company that shall remain nameless, Altrider, um, stopped making it for the Super Tenere. So. I will make one and sell it. And yeah, it's way cheaper than the Outrider one was, but that's because I'm not greedy. I I can't I can't gouge it needlessly. So I mean I'm looking at your prices and you know a lot of stuff that don't fit my bike or whatever, but I, I'm still like everything seems very reasonable. Well, I have some going back for your bike right now, and that's why Owen's bike is in the garage. But you already have a similar kit, so I I'm not gonna make you change things. Um, but uh, in development right now is a mid-rise fender kit for these, for the Transalp, the new Transalp, and also the Africa Twin. Very and that's nice. just, raise, it raises it up just a couple inches to get it, uh, so it doesn't uh, have that mud lock that every almost every adventure bike is famous for without a high fender. Um, it adds That's two exactly inches to that gap. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly why I got the high fender kit. We ran into yeah. a situation, and I was just like, nope. You know, you're doing the Trans Alp one, and I don't want to name names, but uh, Grace and Ben both the spot the Trans Alp. Yeah. So, it's uh, so because our riding season ended up um, taking us, well, they probably could have rid ridden one or two more days, but our riding season's typically over beginning of November here. And I was riding on New Year's Eve. I rode into town to go to the post office. Um, and uh, because I was still riding my bike, I sort of put the project on the Africa Twin aside because riding bikes is important too. And absolutely. We, uh, yeah, so now because of, we're in the deep freeze still, it's a, uh, it's about the same temperature as a deep freeze outside right now. Um, now is when I have to refocus and uh, hopefully my ADHD doesn't take over again. Yeah, I'm actually, um, you're talking about that mid rise kit. I'm actually going to be kind of uh, excited to see what the finished product does and, and what it looks like, you know? Yeah. I think uh, I have, um, you know, my, I, my high fender kit was from that company you just talked about. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I, so I, I uh, should be perfectly honest on my Super Tenere, I have the Alt Rider uh, skid plate and crash bars. Yeah. Yeah. They're, it, it, they're a good company. Yeah, um, they are. Absolutely. I, uh, one of the things that worries me a little bit is that the fender's so high. And yeah. I'll just be rolling and I've got you know, full knobby on the front. So I'll just be cruising down on gravel or off-road or something. And also just bang, you know, just right off the headers. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Man. Yeah. I don't know if I need to get some crazy, like, tank armor freaking <laughs> skid plate that goes way up at the front, you know. And I had to go get uh, also new uh, protection for the radiators. That oh. down there too, because it was just you, you. I don't know if Owen has any upgrades in there, but if you look at the radiators, they're just like kind of a cheap plastic guard in the front. Yeah, the typical, buy, the typical one. Yeah, yeah. I think and tiger, I had to go buy the some metal ones. You know, yeah. And the tiger I've got has a few the marks thing. on them. Yeah, yeah. I've got a few uh few battle scars on them where I'm like, yeah, I'm glad that's uh <laughs> those are on there. I I I think the uh, the Yamaha engineers and designers were onto something when they put the radiator on the side on the Super Tenere. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, probably right. So, so what else? You got any other products? Kind of you thinking about moving on to, or is it just it's kind of a I well in again I I did send you something specific um, in the stuff for your dad, and that was a couple recovery straps. So over oh. Over my left shoulder here um, is my industrial sewing machine, um, and I can sew nylon industrial webbing with it. Um, that's you know pull tested and whatnot, and I, I can yeah. do all sort of the yeah. So I can I I can build recovery straps, and that's one of the things that I'm working on as well. And you have, did, uh, and my my dad wanted to make sure that uh, I really told you like how how thankful he is for oh. that package <laughs> i wanted to do this big unboxing and everything and uh had this whole thing planned and then um 
you you got a hold of me. Somebody needed. Uh, yeah. Like, what was that? A, a, a he, 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 the 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 emergency chopsticks. Yes. Um, yeah, again, yeah. Um, food utensil theme uh, to the name, um, which is on a few of the products. Um, yeah, there was a customer from Montana who was touring or coming down through into Washington and Oregon, and he was hoping for like super fast shipping. And I'm like, I can't do that without, you know, spending an arm and a leg and I'll, you know, also you spending an arm and a leg for shipping and it's still not going to get there when you're in Portland. However, I got a guy and that guy was you. And I messaged you and said, I need, I need your help. (laughs) And the response was instantaneous. Like something might've been going on like a life or death situation, but it wasn't, um, but yeah, you you uh you located the kit for out of the in the box for your dad and uh met up with oh what was his name? Seth? Was it yeah, Seth? It was Seth. Yeah. Yeah. Um I had a conversation with him on the phone, said, I got you the hookup. Um, and you met up with him that weekend and uh did a bunch of work on his bike and stuff. And that was you know, uh, uh that was amazing to see. Yeah, it, it, when you when you text me, it's just like when friends need help, you help, right? And yeah. I was like, yeah, dude, whatever you need. And then I I got into that. And I'm kind of looking at stuff as I'm looking in the box. I'm like, oh, this is red. Oh, this is red. Oh, this is red. Oh, this is what he needs. So I send you like a picture. I'm like, this? You're like, yeah. So yeah. this kid shows up. And I thought the way our conversations were going, I thought he was a local guy. I so did I. Realize I didn't realize he, a, he was on his motorcycle in a trip. Yeah, I had know? no idea. I didn't make that and, connection and, until he said he was in Montana and his shipping address was somewhere, I think, in, in Vancouver, Washington. Yeah. Or, or, in, or in North Portland. I was just like, yeah, it was, it was a no-po. And yeah. I, I literally thought, like, we're texting back and forth. And it's not, you know, people move here all the time. So it's not uncommon to have a different area code or whatever. Yep. So he and I are just texting back and forth. I'm like, yeah, man, I can meet you. Let's do this. And I, he was like, well, I can come to you. And actually we had some stuff going on. I was like, dude, that would be great. You know? So we, we have a grocery store not far from here. I'm like, Hey, let's just meet in the parking lot. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I'm here. I'm in the green Toyota, you know, like (laughs) Toyota Tacoma. That that's me. And I'm like, waiting and waiting, waiting, no response, no response. All of a sudden a freaking super T pulls up and I'm like, uh, what? Yeah. Uh, Holy unexpected. That was so unexpected. Cool. So yeah. he and I are sitting there talking and I'm just, he's new. He's pretty new to, to writing, you know, first pretty big trip. And we're, we're kind of talking like, okay, so you're, you're new, new. And I look at his rear tire. And I'm like, dude, this tire's shot, man. Like, oh no way. ready to go, you know, and your front tire is a little suspect. And he's oh. like, yeah, I was thinking about doing an oil change and stuff. So got a hold of the boys here at apex motorsports the place i go to and that was they like, hooked him up got him yeah i got him a good tire and all everything that he needed and then i just said just come to my house you know yeah. papa cake showed up and we all just hung out in the garage and you know just hanging out laughing and joking around changed his tire and did an oil change and all that and sent him down the way i haven't heard from him since and i hope everything is going fantastic for him his his instagram has been silent so you know, he he did create that account, that account shortly after talking to you, and I followed it right away, but haven't seen anything. So, 
Yeah, he's yeah. he seems like he's a funny dude, but he also seems like he's very just uh, private. You know, yeah, I was like yeah, yeah, do your thing, man. So I, yeah, that I, was pretty. Uh, I feel like I'm in awesome. that category as well too. So yeah, well, yeah, me too. No, yeah. not at all. <laughs> but yeah, to to your straps, uh, you sent a couple straps down, and yeah. um, my dad and I were looking at them, and he was actually getting ready to go home and i'm like hey this is stuff for matt you know we're kind of going through it and i'm like okay now when you're putting this stuff on take videos take pictures you know but he's 74 so he's like i forgot whatever yeah you know and i'm 49 and i forget to do that right even installing my own product on my bike oh i'm gonna go and install this and shoot an installation video then i have to remove it and shoot the video Right, so, right. You're like, yeah. oh, it, it works. Now I know how to do it. But uh, I was looking at the 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 strength of the two straps, and one I think was 500. Yep, somewhere in there. And yep. then the other that's one was, the, I sort think, of the, the enduro bike one. Yeah. yeah, and the other one was I think 4,000. No, four, 2400. Yeah, 2400. Yeah, yeah. So we're looking at the two, and my dad had the one for 2400. And I had the one at 500. We're just kind of looking at them like, what? what? Uh, no, no, I'm taking this one. You can have the, yeah. you know, the lighter one. I said, I'm the one that's probably going to throw my bike down a ditch or something. Yeah. You know, I might need a little bit more. The the heavy duty one will, will flat tow your truck. I have no doubt. Yeah, it there's will. No the, doubt that that'll do that. The, uh, there's a formula. So this, again, the sewing machine behind me, um, where is it over there? There we go. Um, it's uh, there's a formula for calculating how much stitch you need based on thread size and, and threads and stitch spacing and all of that. And, uh, and, and, st- and thread material to figure out how strong the joint is. And that's why synthetic lifting slings work and anything that you see with uh with a sewn pattern, it's all in the inches of stitches that create the strength. It's that shear between the two pieces that uh, yeah. that's most critical and uh i mean the the thread that i use it's not the biggest i can put through this machine but it's big enough um and it's what 15 15 or 16 thousandths of an inch diameter so it's you know it's a 64th of an inch it's pretty big but it's not the biggest <laughs> it's uh, the next step up i think is like 20 or 22 thousandths and considerably added strength yeah yeah, yeah. Those straps look great. It's sitting in my uh, in my bag on the back of the bike yeah. right now. It goes everywhere with me. Yeah, Perfect. man. I think you got a lot of really cool products. It's it's yeah, been a lot of fun. Yeah. I I wish I could be better at you know sales and marketing and product development and you know manufacturing and all that stuff. But you know it's it's one of a couple side hustles. So there's there's more stuff going on that you don't see too. Yeah. Well, passive income, right? That's uh, what we all strive for. Have multiple yeah. sources. Absolutely. Yeah, dude. Well, I, I mean, I, I I really like your website. You know, it looks <laughs> like what? Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, man. Now I'm bringing up your YouTube. Wait, what's Instagram and Facebook? What is that stuff? I don't even know because I'm terrible at it. Well, you're... you're your name is Ladle Sport ADV on on the YouTube's. Oh, YouTube I know about. YouTube I can do. 
but I, I just I am not uh, subscribe. I'm subscribed to you now. You're subscriber number twenty seven, I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah. thirty three. <laughs> oh, well, right now on YouTube, man, you got uh, Ladle Sport L A D L E uh, Sport A D V. Uh, you got. We got to get you up to at least a hundred, hundred subscribers on the YouTube for sure. Yeah, but then know? I have to make more content. Well, you know, it's. I think it'll be worth it. You're trying to talk about marketing and stuff. This is yeah. the perfect marketing tool. You know, Absolutely. I need to break a toe strap, is what you're saying. Well, we can try. Yeah, dude, you got to that uh, super tea. I really like that color. And Though the desert, like uh, the desert sand. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a pretty cool color. And then uh, I think you're the same on. Yeah, Ladle Sport. So uh, Instagram is ladlesport.adv. That's uh, that's you right there. Yeah. And you got pretty decent following. You got pretty good posts. And I, I always enjoy going through and stalking your page. So uh, you were talking, I think, with Chris about uh, – that one reel that he posted on his construction, uh, oh, on his on his home renovation thing with like it's got like it's probably up to seven million views now, but I think it was like five and a half million. Yeah. My my biggest one, my biggest reel was just over twenty two thousand, close to twenty three thousand views within a week. Wow, man! Someone hit the that, algorithm for sure. That's awesome. I don't even know how. Um, it was it was a short video. I think it's like twelve seconds long, and it's just like, well, here's my wife taking off from taking off in front of me, um, getting on the highway, and here's how I can't keep up with her. Um, that Tiger Nine Hundred, she absolutely loves, um, but it's right, got a quick. Shifter. Right. I don't, I don't have a quick shifter, and she oh, can just yeah. she can elbow down and just go, and yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, man, that's uh, there she goes. She's gone. She's gone. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Critter Carpentry. I don't. I don't know how that went. You know, it's a pretty basic video, but it's it's pretty cool for sure. I was really that's happy cool. for him when he showed me that. Yeah. You know? I think. Uh, you know, I haven't got anything in the twenty thousands or whatever. You know, one of my I, videos, uh, we had uh, Brooks Cooper, and he he's a lawyer that was yep. on the podcast and um, put up a, a, a reel with him. And he's just talking about, you know, what to do when you get pulled over. And uh, it, it did. I think I was around like 11, 12,000 or something on that. But the funniest thing about it is two people started arguing with each other. One in the comments. Like kind of, uh, yeah, in the comments is like uh, one of the guys... I don't know. It seems like uh, anti-government, you know, no, man, this is, you don't need to see my ID, this kind of, and the other guy, I think it was like a, a former policeman or something. I read like the first two arguments going back and forth. And then I just kept getting notifications that they were just going off. And I just laughed. I'm like, <laughs> y'all are just doing me a favor right now. Just yeah. bickering it's, on with each other. Keep it going. It's those interactions that do it all. It's not the likes. It's not the views. It's it's the yeah. comments and, you know, not even the subscriptions, the likes, nothing. Yeah. I don't know what, how it did, but it did that one time. And, mm -hmm. yeah. That's pretty rad, though, man. Super happy for you. Yeah. So, 
I am on a little bit of a time crunch here. Yeah. Unfortunately. And but, we're two uh, hours in. Wow. Yeah. It goes by really quick. You know, a lot of people are like, man, your, your podcasts are too long. And I'm like, we can't get to know people, you know, in, in 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. That's right. You know, and people, I mean, I'm very open to having guests back multiple times, you know, and, uh, you just, this is what I like to do. I like to have conversations. I might split some of these up into, uh, you know, I did one last night that was three and a half hours. Yeah. You know, wow. The guy outside the helmet with Billy Zerikat. And, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to split that one up into two. Yeah. But that's just because it was extra long and he is such a fascinating person. You just, his story in general, you just, you don't want to stop. You don't want to be like, all right, man, I hit a time, time crunch. So boy, yeah, you know, you, you, we just got to go and, and get everything out. So, um, there's still more to my story. Oh, I, I, and we're not done yet. Yeah. You know? I'll continue talking. Right. Yeah. Like I said, uh, I got it. Oh, I can see right there. I got about, you know, another 10, 15 minutes or something. Yeah. So, um, so you say there's more to your story. There's a little bit more. I think it's it's more of, you know, talking about the the trip that I took um, to Vancouver Island in September last year. Um, that was the first time that I had taken a trip of that size. And it was, I think, nearly a thousand miles one way for me to get there. Um, That's a good trip. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it was the first time of a trip that size without my wife. Cause she rides, we, we ride in the summer. That's what we do. Um, and I, I remember, you know, halfway to, um, to Kelowna, BC, not Kelowna, uh, Kamloops. I realized like, I don't have anyone to talk to. Um, I'll awkwardly talk to people at gas stations. Um, <laughs> And it was, uh, it was really kind of neat. Um, and then, well, I, I mentioned when we met up, when we rode past one another, um, on the, on the Saturday at, at get lost, find yourself. Um, I totally broke down and that was part of it. Like, you know, it really sucks that my wife can't be here to see this. And she was traveling for business. She was, she was, uh, she was in Chicago actually, and she couldn't make it, but, uh, yeah, it was it was really weird to 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 do that sort of stuff without the person I normally do it with. Um, we're pretty private people, and you know, we don't we don't have a ton of riding friends. We don't we don't uh, you know we just ride with each other, and and that's what we do. So when we when they aren't when the other person isn't there, it's like, should I be doing this? This doesn't feel right. Um, something is I missing. Totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I if you were driving team with team with your wife, right? You know, it uh and then the one time you you do a solo trip, it's like, well, what do I do now? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I totally get that, but I think I think for you doing that on your own to that particular event was probably the perfect one for you to do. Yeah. Because that it was just like we didn't really know each other as a whole, right? Just not you and I, but as a whole, you know. And yeah, you would a show lot of people were meeting. Everybody for the first was time. just like, but it was like we were a big family all of a sudden. Yeah, right. 
it was just like everybody's just like let's do this you know it was so I think it was it, such a great weekend yeah. yeah it really was it really was and the riding was just epic i i need so, to see more of the island yeah are you going back this year yes good yep i think with you? she's deliberating yeah yeah well, she, uh, we'll have to figure something out because, well, I'm going up pretty early. Yeah. I, you know, you're more than welcome to tag along with us on the way out for sure. So that's the funny part. We're thinking of retooling or scheduling our summer trip around Get Lost, Find Yourself so that we come back up through the Olympic Peninsula and then hop the Black Ball Ferry to the island and then, uh, and then head up to, to Nimkish. Um, but we we haven't even started planning that trip, so we're definitely headed back to Oregon, um, possibly even Northern California again this year. Um, we'll see. But then, you know, making it so we can come back through the island and then swing back up and then come home as the tail end of our that trip is... should be. Yeah, it could be pretty stupid in terms of miles. Um, you know, we did forty two hundred miles last year on that one trip, mm -hmm. and that was seventeen days. Yeah, so, that's yeah a good we'll trip. see. Yeah, might yeah. break five thousand. You know, depending on uh, what what the schedule is, um, there sounds like, and I might be speaking maybe a little bit out of turn, but it sounds like there's going to be a group of us up there, probably pretty close to a week early. Oh wow! We're just kind of getting everything ready. Yeah. You know? So it's kind of like. Whatever critter says go, we're gonna go. Yeah, you know, so I whatever uh, that is. But what I was gonna kind of get to, like if I'm around down here, you always got a place here. Yeah, I know. And, uh, Chris said the know. same thing. Um, uh, Chris, Chris Fant, um, because she may not be able to make it this year. I was talking with her on Instagram, and uh, I know, I know, uh, yeah, she's she's not she may not be able to come, but she's coming up to BC um, at the beginning of August, and she's she wants to get to get into the Canadian Rockies and whatnot. So my wife and I were going to meet her there on bikes and just nice. you know tool around for a day or whatnot, and then she's going to go her way. We'll we'll come back home, but then that's right at the beginning of our trip. So while we're coming back up the coast, um, they're just outside of Portland. Um, we were going to you know hang out there and you know on a chill day before we, we head up into the, the Olympic peninsula. Absolutely. Yeah. They're great people. Yeah. They're yeah. not too terribly far from me actually. Yeah. But yeah, dude, that's, that's how, you know, it makes me happy. You got people around that you can hang yeah. out with. It's, uh, by all means, man, if you want some routing and some sites to go see. Well, okay. So how do we avoid Portland? <laughs> well, if you're going to the fans or my house, you're going to be right in the mat you know, right yeah. around it. But there's a lot of places to go where you don't have to go anywhere by Portland. You yeah. can stay out of the Willamette Valley, essentially. We, from like Portland all the way down to Eugene's, the Willamette Valley, and you can yeah. do some amazing riding and not even come in the valley, man. Yeah, sure. we we headed south from, uh, after taking the ferry, the Black Ball Ferry, we headed south into, uh, or no, we went to Port Townsend and then headed south the next day. Avoiding Seattle, mm -hmm. 
uh, just down through on, yeah. the, on the east side of the peninsula. That was fantastic. Yep. Um, and then yeah, we headed in. Yeah. yeah. Then we headed into uh, to Yakima, and we were accosted by the uh, the cashier at Walmart saying, "Why'd you come to Yakima?" Um, but there's a really good Mexican restaurant in Yakima, so that's why we went. So. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah it's uh, the sign coming in from the north into Yakima says the Palm Springs of Washington. You're like, mm, I don't know about any of that. I I yeah. can't. I can't. I've been to Palm Springs. I can't say that it's the same. Um, but uh, same. I know that there's some good Mexican food in Yakima, and uh, yeah, yeah, dude, absolutely. Well, I think this is probably a pretty good start uh, place to kind of just hang out the helmet for a minute, you know? Uh, yeah. I definitely would like to have you back on and talk a little bit more, especially, you know, once you get that uh, stuff for Owen's bike all put on there. And I see how it is with Owen. He's like, hey, take my bike and give me something free, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm getting some him some extra stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the, the first, uh, the first part of it is, uh, is definitely on the house as the prototype and, uh, yeah, he's getting free, free, uh, free labor to work on his bike too. Oh man. Yeah. We'll have to, when I, when I get everything done and mocked up, um, maybe we could do like a, a little quick one or something like that where we're both on that works you know, too. Maybe we'll have to do a live with you guys, do a little round <laughs> table for the Canadians. That would be awesome. Uh oh. Yeah, I'll get Chris on on it too then. Yeah, yeah. Might as well get all three is on there. Yeah, yeah. that'll be all good. We'll have to wear toques, right? It's warm enough in in here in the house that I don't need to wear it today, even with all this hair I got on my head. So yeah, absolutely. Well, Matt, I really appreciate you giving me your time. I know time is uh, valuable and precious. And uh, you know, coming on here, it actually means a lot to me. And I'm super happy, super stoked that we actually were able to connect finally. It uh, and, and get it was nice done. to talk. Yeah, it was it was nice yeah, to have the conversation with you. And I can't yeah, wait man. to do it again. Yeah, yeah, man. And I apologize because usually, I mean, we can go another hour or whatever. I just, like I said, I found out. Half there's obligations tomorrow. everyone's like got stuff them. yeah yeah it's all good man so without everybody uh you can find matt i'm gonna have to go back it was uh ladlesport.adv on the instagrams i'll put all the links down below it's ladlesportadv on youtube and you can find um ladlesportadv.com on the old interwebs right there and uh, just go down below. We'll put all the uh, the links to all things Ladle Sport. And uh, make sure you go like, subscribe, share to everything that he's doing. And then uh, <laughs> we got the eat more pancakes up there. That's right. I love it. But, uh, yeah, like, subscribe, share to everything that uh, Matt's doing. And if you like what we're doing, do the same thing over here. And, uh, you know, make sure you give us some comments and stuff, man. So, just and like maybe that, I'll wear my suit next time. Yeah, maybe. All right, brother. I appreciate you. Yeah, you thank you very much. Right. Take care, Ian.